Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. And we're here today. I've got three hosts with me. Uh, Mr. Jacob Gwynn, welcome back. Matthew Jacobs, how is it down south? Hot? Bro, it is. There is hot and there is there is hot and humid. And it is it is hot and it is humid. Sunday morning when I walked out to come worship at the church house, I sat there and went, what is going on? Oh, <laughs> like, it was brutal. <laughs> Makes you miss those cool Appalachian nights, doesn't it? it? It did. It was so humid. We uh we have a logo of our student ministry on the student door, and part of the logo peeled off from the humidity. Nice. nice. It's trying to leave the state. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's trying to get out. Trying to get back up in the mountains. You know what? And then Neil Nelson, which I'm actually going to be turning this back over to. We're we're continuing on in our series here, preparing for the convention, which is actually from the point we're recording this next week, and this will be dropping on Thursday morning before the convention. And we hit some topics that came up last time. One of those being uh, critical race theory. And so I'm going to relinquish my usual questioning over to Neil since he did a great job last time. And we really appreciate uh, how you did that. We had a good recording last time and uh, let you just take it away, Neil. Okay. Well, thanks. Uh, it's great to be an outsider learning a little bit about what's going on in the SBC and looking forward to hearing how it goes. I, I guess this is next week then how the co- convention itself is going to go, but, but to get the conversation started, I mean, the first question I think that's worth answering is, is what is critical theory? Where, where is all this coming from? Yeah, so, you know, before we can really talk about critical race theory, we have to talk about critical theory. And so critical theory is really began in kind of the, the 70s and the 60s, um, but it was uh, really developed kind of out of just the idea of kind of Karl Marx's theory. And so critical theory is the idea that uh, there are broken systems, uh, whether that be educational, whether that be uh, economic, wh- whether that be across racial lines or political lines, religious lines, that there are systems that are broken and there are those who have power and oppress and the need to, to liberate people from that. And, and so it's the idea of trying to essentially dismantle those things. And so you can understand that that idea of critical theory, how that can really be an umbrella to a lot of different things like like the issue of, of race. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, we're, we're seeing that the roots of this are, and I don't think anyone disagrees with this, even people who would maybe say we're going to use this as an analytical tool in academics to people who are outright against it and say, no, it's actually like a religious system, which is as far as it's been taken by some in conversation. Uh, Vody Bakken being one in his book, uh, Fault Lines, I think he compares critical race theory to a religion. And so, uh, and Moeller has come out in pretty strong stance against it as well as all the seminary presidents did. And I think we're going to talk about more of that uh, in just a minute, but yeah, definitely has the roots in. Yeah. And, and I think that's like, you're getting at, that's the troubling thing about it is um, w- we can talk about some, some things that we see from just the world and the brokenness that is the result of sin, right? But uh, the, the troubling thing when we talk about critical race theory, just critical theory in general, is that it does come from just, uh, and, and I hate even saying Marxist because that word gets thrown around, you know, so cavalier these days. But, but it is rooted in, in just Karl Marx's idea of, you know, the bourgeoisie, right? kind of the overthrow there. And it's kind of the, the same idea of uh, seeing 
um, structures and things like that, that, that are in place that need to be overthrown. Yeah, it really, really it tends to boil down all of history to these various groups, whether the oppressed or the oppressor. And it, it, it's the lens through which we then look at all of our society, all of our history. And so that, that becomes the predominant story of, of history. And, and, and obviously there we, we begin to see some of the rub with, with, with scripture in terms of, of why some of the authors and, and, and speakers are, are so concerned about it. We're, we're like, like we've talked a little bit about where this came from, but, but another thing I was wondering is what's the timeline? How has this sort of interacted with SBC life? Like, has it, has it been a big part? Has this been kind of a slow boil? Where, where's it been coming from in the SBC world? Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I was trying to think about just conversationally where this comes up. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I actually had a, com- you know, we're in the middle of VBS, right? And, uh, and so I actually had a conversation with uh, one of our volunteers and he's a dad and we usually get into some, some deep conversations, but we were talking about, about uh, critical race theory the other day. And, and, and one of the things that w- was interesting is he was talking about how him and his wife were just, you know, talking about it essentially after they had put the kids to bed, right? Um, and, and I, and I will be honest with you, I, I think two, three years ago, this was not just a casual conversation that people were having. Um, but it's starting to really hit the public square, whether it be through, um, just political lens or just the conversation much more upfront. And so you've got a lot more people starting to, to talk about it. And so I was, I was thinking through just even in the, just broadly in the church, right? And I think in about 2017, 2018, you started to see um, really the idea of, of critical race theory, that, that phrase or intersectionality um, started to, to come up. And, and I, I remember having a conversation with a young, young college student in our church. It was about 2018 about it. And it was right around the time that you saw John MacArthur and a few others started to put together that, uh, that statement of, uh, I believe it was the, the statement of biblical justice that they put out and, and the gospel and what that was because it, it was starting to come up towards the forefront of the conversation. And so that was really before 2019 when we had our, our annual meeting in Birmingham with uh, Resolution 9. So it was beginning to come up. And, and I think people were starting to hear subtle language changes, maybe. Um, and, uh, you know, quite a I'll let somebody else chime in from there. Was Resolution yeah. 9 in Birmingham or was Resolution yeah. 9 in Dallas? Yeah, no, Resolution 9 was Birmingham. It was 2019, yeah. Okay. You know, I think about just uh, con- the, the convention itself. So the last couple of years, right? Um, we haven't one, had one since had, Birmingham. What now? We haven't had a convention since Birmingham. Yeah, we, have, we hadn't had one in two years, right? Uh, I think about uh, going back to St. Louis, maybe Phoenix, Dallas, um, some of those, maybe even further back to uh, Columbus when Ronnie Floyd was president, you know, we started to notice a, a shift, right? And um, trying to see more <laughs> unity across the, the convention. Um, NAM, there was a, a push for, for church planning, for um, tr- starting to see more, you know, Hispanic and African-American plants and Asian American plants. And, and that was a great thing. I mean, the we, we ought to see the kingdom of God reflected in the Southern Baptist Convention. And so you started seeing that, and that's a good thing. But when the second that CRT came up or people start to weaponize that word, 
anytime somebody has talked about uh, the convention looking like the kingdom of God, uh, that became weaponized language. Yeah. It almost became viewed similar to what you see in the political world, you know, like affirmative action. Everybody remembers affirmative action back in the 90s. You got to hire X amount of people of, of this particular ethnicity or that, you know. Well, I mean, and that that's the way it's viewed, though. I mean, it's, a, it's viewed as affirmative ap- action. And, I mean, if we go back to Dallas, I don't know if y'all remember in Dallas when the resolution, not the resolutions committee, the uh, committee on nominations came up. That there was the person that was on the former list that they removed and were putting someone else in that person's place. And there was a whole big issue with it because it looked like affirmative a- action because they were removing what I would call a, what we view as a typical Southern Baptist looking person and we're replacing them with a minority position. And so there was a huge issue of whether this person was qualified. This person was originally asked. And then all of a sudden, because we're trying to do something different, this person's being removed and we're putting someone else in a minority. And so it, it, it's, it has been that, that viewpoint is being seen and heard, whether it's actually being vocalized from people in positions of authority within the convention. Yeah. So I think what you're, what you're getting, and I, I agree with you is this, you know, like I said, several years ago, um, we were celebrating the idea of, the, the Southern Baptist convention was not just the Southern Baptist convention. Yeah. We were great commission Baptists. We wanted to look more like the kingdom of God. We wanted to reach more nations for the gospel. We wanted to reach more and reach peoples. We want to reach more places in America. And that's not a concession of the gospel, right? That is the natural working out of the gospel itself and the great commission that Christ has given us. And so we, we saw that happening in the life of the convention but then, like I said, I think somewhere in 2018, 2019, I, you, you started to see the phrase critical race theory coming into play. It's, it's been around for about 30 years or so, but it started to, that phrase came into play. And so anytime somebody talked about uh, a new church plant that was, you know, maybe an African-American congregation or a new church plant that was an Asian, you know, um, it was reaching Asian Americans or, or, or however you want to put it, right? Somebody would just kind of tack on CRT and, and kind of, like I said, just weaponize that language. Now, we would recognize that CRT, right, and critical race theory, that, that it is rooted not in godly principles, right, but in worldly principles. But I think we would all recognize that one of the things about critical race theory is the fact that that our systems, right, there are brokenness, right? We would recognize uh, when we look around politically, when we look around legally, when we look around in the world, there's brokenness. Uh, there, there is racism. There, there is other things that are happening. That's the result of sin. And our answer is the gospel. Our answer is not a dismantling of every system to change the oppressor and the press and the oppressee, right? The gospel is the answer to that. I would agree with that. And I think that Bodie Bauckham is helpful in pointing that out. And, you know, really, I, I, I guess Trevin Wax wrote an article recently, what are Southern Baptists fighting about? And one of the questions that he, he raised and one of the big questions that we're dealing with in our denomination as a whole is, could we engage in secular sources of knowledge in a fundamentalist or an evangelical posture? And I know that's probably a little bit, you know, fundamentalist and evangelical is very much defined by who's using it 
And he goes on to point out that in the North, many of those who have taken an evangelical uh, position or Augustinian plunder the Egyptians and in, in the South and areas where we're at, they took Terillians. What has Jerusalem to do with Athens? So it's kind of like you separate the sacred and the secular. Uh, so, you know, Southern Baptists are somewhere, I guess, in between those two things. You know, you're very fundamentalist churches. Mo- most of your Baptist pastors are are not going to want to run to any ideology that is purely worldly no matter what that is. They're, but they're also going to be slow to have a complete knee-jerk reaction and say, we'll have nothing to do with anything of the world because under the premise that all knowledge and truth is God's truth, you know what I mean? But, uh, and so Southern Baptists are a little different in that, in that realm as opposed to maybe our more fundamentalist, uh, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ uh, and maybe more of the, you know, up north, the, the little bit more what we call liberal-leaning. We're, we're kind of neither in one sense, we're in a different category and brand of that altogether. And so when we, when we approach this, I, I do think that what is most helpful is to first put on the, the glasses of the gospel and see, is it giving, you know, is this helpful in giving us help to remedy the problem? Or is this critical race theory helpful in describing the problem? Or is it, is it not helpful in either one of those areas? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Once again, I mean, I, the language, right? Critical race theory is such a weaponized word. Um, is it helpful? Well, I think it's roots, right? Like I said, from being Karl Marx, I don't think are, are, are the antithesis of scripture. I believe they're the antithesis of scripture, but they do recognize, just like everyone in this world, recognizes that the world's broken. Uh, we see sin all around us. And so that's just the, you know, sociology is the recognition of what people see in the world. And so that it's a recognition of that. It's just the solution, right? Uh, we, we would agree that the solution is clear, the gospel, and the, their, their view of the solution is dismantling legal systems or dismantling political systems in order to, to have this. But, you know, you brought up the, the point of how is it helpful to use outside sources? And I think one of the things that's interesting in this, in this entire debate um, is you have some who are saying that people are using outside sources, uh, people who promote critical race theory in the convention. But then on the other side, those who are lambasting this and saying that this is a huge issue are using outside sources like a, like Jim Lindsay and Thomas uh, so well, who, who are who are no, known atheists, who aren't believers in Christ, but are opponents of critical race theory, and, and so where, where's the balance? I like what Trevin uh, Wax pointed out to us. He said most Southern Baptists are neither the far end of classic fundamentalism nor the far end of classic evangelicalism regarding these matters. Even if voices of these camps often sound the loudest online, which they do, that's where they always get magnified. He said we're a fundamentalist evangelical spectrum which is why the ordinary Southern Baptist pastor often feels uneasy with encountering evangelicals they believe to be too accommodating to the culture and to secular thought, and also uh, feeling uneasy with fundamentalists that they believe to be too knee-jerk in their reaction. And so uh, that's, that's part of this issue here. I mean, if we were to take this discussion and move it over to another discipline, let's move it to a discipline that, that I studied quite a bit for just a minute that I didn't pursue all the way. Let's move it to counseling right? There are counseling models that are secular, 
they're problematic and they're born out of secularism. Uh, you know, if you look at Freudian psychology, Freudian psychology was not birthed in the church. It has nothing to do with Christian thought. It is, you know, I would even argue at fundamental base levels, uh, opposition to biblical teaching. But can we swim in that sea, use that language, and use some truths that maybe Freudian theology has provided, or Freudian theology, maybe for some, Freudian thought has produced? And, uh, you know, that, that's the kind of thing we have, to, we have on the line here. But then there's another element with this, though, that's different from just a counseling discussion or a discipline like that, and that's the issue of race and, and why this is so intrinsic in Southern Baptist life. One of the distinctions of Southern Baptists from our Northern Baptist brethren was over the issue of slavery years ago, and that's why I think this issue keeps coming up, this issue of race in our denomination and convention. I hear it from my brothers and sisters that are outside of the Southern Baptist Convention, and we're seeing an exodus of people who are saying they're just tired of dealing with it, you know, that the roots of this convention were in racism. And we would say, of course, the Bible doesn't really use the term racism. It uses the term partiality. And that's really where the sin comes from. And that's talked about in James. Uh, but I, I think that uh, maybe as descriptor, but I'm in full agreement with you. I don't think that critical race theory or Freudian, Freudian counseling provide us with answers. They may provide descriptors in both cases of what is happening, but I don't think they provide the answer. I think the gospel provides the answer. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, sociology, that's the whole point of sociology is looking out into the world or people and recognizing certain things or truths. Sociology can do that, but it's never going to have the, the, the solution. Right. And so as this came up in kind of Southern Baptist life and has been part of the conversation, right. When we, at the end of 2018, we had that statement on, you know, that the social gospel and, and biblical justice, um, John MacArthur and a few pastors, uh, a few other pastors. So going into 2019 at the convention, there was already some conversation about it. And quite honestly, I would say 90% of the messengers going into that convention had no clue what critical race theory or intersection, intersectionality or any kind of critical theory is. I agree with and that. And so somebody had a resolution about critical race theory. And it went to the resolution committee. Uh, I know that they made some adjustments to the original, to the original resolution. And so it was resolution nine on the docket and it was being discussed. And, and part of the problem with that, and I don't know, I, I mean, you guys were, were there, Neil, you weren't there, but, but, but just kind of give you a, an idea of what it was. This, this resolution came up and it was, it was kind of like the 11th hour of the day, so to say um, we're, everybody's getting ready to leave the convention. Uh, it's like 20 minutes from the end of the convention. We're trying to vote on, I, I think there was probably 12 or 15 different resolutions and you only have X amount of time. And so we voted on several of them. And so we get to resolution nine and before we even got to it, you had these people who were speaking to other resolutions. And so we were, we were out of time. And so they kept having to grant more time and more time. And it was being discussed and so there was a vote to lump all the last bit of the resolutions in there and vote for all of them as part of parliamentary procedure. And so with that, there was resolutions, you know, um, denouncing the ills of, of abortion. There was resolutions about, uh, uh, I believe there was one about genocide in Sudan or another country. 
And so they were lumped in and it was voted on. Well, I mean, I, I voted no because I, I procedurally I didn't like that. I, I felt it should have been tabled to what would have been Orlando 2020 to have a actual discussion about it. Um, but because of that, and it got voted through, even though, like I said, most Southern Baptists had no clue what it is. Um, many said that that, that was a clear sign that the convention had, had began its liberal drift because we affirmed this resolution nine. The thing about resolution nine, and I went through and read it before the podcast and it speaks about scripture is the sole authority. Scripture alone is sufficient. And it talks about the idea of critical race theory and how it recognizes the ills or the brokenness of the world, but that it is insufficient to fix the problem. And that's really the language of resolution nine. It talked about how people may use it as an analytical tool to recognize systems or structures that are broken based on racial issues. But at the end of the day, scripture is authoritative and sufficient. So depending on how you read that, some took it as a little drift. To me, it seemed like they were just addressing it, but speaking to the fact that scripture was the final authority. Well, and if I could back us up for a minute here, I, I would love to ask this question, because for those who are, who are still gaining information or, or, or being exposed for the first time to critical race theory, um, it, it, early in our conversation, we talked about um, systems of oppression, oppressors, and those who are oppressed, and how critical race theory seeks to identify and upend those things. Then we, then we started talking about how that was then being applied to, to churches who were talking about trying to grow an ethnic diversity, whether it was through hiring staff or just becoming multi-ethnic churches. And so here, if I could ask a question that backs us up a little bit, I would ask, why were those two things connected? So, so how do we look at churches trying to become more multi-ethnic in terms of who they are reaching and who's a part of their local body and this critical race theory, how are those two connected? Because because I, I think there's something there because what I would follow up with then is is how how then has this become the language or, or what maybe is behind this language of critical race theory being the major issue? It, if, it, if it seems like it's being applied um, to situations that may not apply to or necessarily somebody who wasn't aware of it wouldn't even think of it in terms of. Yeah. So um, I, the way I, I see it is uh, that um, here you have these churches that uh, like you, like you had mentioned, we're trying to, kind of broadly have, have reaching more people. And so in regards to that, many of them wanted to see their churches reaching people of, of different ethnicities and different race. And so with that, there were conversations of, does that mean that there needs to be more representation in our convention or representation in churches to reflect a desire to reach those um, to, to represent more of the, the kingdom and the way the kingdom of God looks. And so personally, um, I don't see that as critical race theory, but because there is a connection, right, to actively uh, having conversations um with our African-American brothers, our Asian-American brothers, Hispanic brothers and sisters, right? Because we're having a conversation about these things, how to better reach people and, and even, even using cooperative program dollars and actively reaching those people and starting church plants within that, that kind of sphere. 
some see that as that is a clear connection to critical race theory um, because it, it's a singling out, so to say. Personally, I don't see that. You brothers may may see something different, but I, I don't see that as an example of critical race theory. I, I just see that as, as the fact that we are to go to the nations and the nations are here. And if we're going to go to the nations, that means reaching people of, of all races, ethnicities, socioeconomic backgrounds, so forth, reflecting the kingdom of God here. So that when we get to heaven, we see the kingdom of God in, in its fullness there. Yeah, I would be careful to say everybody's got to be multi-ethnical, not or you know reach different. Um, it it kind of is dependent upon where your church is. You know, whenever I served in Indiana, I was in a white flight area, so there was no diversity around the church within five miles. And uh, I pray to God I never have to serve in another white flight area because that was rough. You know what I mean? I would much rather have that diversity. But now, Matthew, you serve in a much more diverse area than what you were here in the mountains, even. You want to speak to that a little bit? Includes part one of Critical Race Theory in the Southern Baptist Convention. Please tune in next time to hear the second part of this and have a wonderful day. Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Appalachian. Baptist Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.